This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, really quick, to any new listeners or to any longtime listeners who have not downloaded the No Halftime app yet, please do so now. Football season is basically upon us. We got four preseason games and then it kicks off. I want to challenge you in football. You want to challenge me in football. There's money to win. There's bragging rights to win. Download No Halftime on your Android device, your iPhone device. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, go on there. Download it. When you when you, when you you first sign up, when you first sign up and you're, and you're registered and everything, use the promo code CLOCK. See L-O-C-K, you're going to get $10 for free instantly to spend on DFS player versus player challenges. It's madness. Football season is here. This is when this is where it started for me, guys. This was the original. This is the originator of no halftime in my life, uh, which which got me addicted. And I, and I want you guys to take part in this. You can give it to your family, your friends, have everyone use a promo code so we all get the ten dollars to use against each other. Let's go ahead and get into this really fun, entertaining, interesting episode. Well, I'll, maybe I'll tweet it from my unverified account. <laughs> well, I'll tweet it from an actual important. <laughs> my life is ruined. Cannot play with it. Cannot win with it. Cannot cope with it. Can't do it. Now, man, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. All right, I don't know who's more excited for this conversation that is about to unfold here on the Clock Dodgers Podcast, if it's me, if it's the listeners. Um, but, you know, right now with these two guys, not one, but two, who are returning guests to the show, which for me, I am grateful, of course. Um, these two guys are, are savages in their respective professions. Um, s- savages in a good way, though. Not the, you know, barbaric, hide your children and stuff type of thing. I just, uh, you know, the, I, I could spew stats about these guys and credentials, but, you know, let's just say we keep it simple. We're friends here, guys. Um, welcome to the show, Matt, the Reception Perception. Harmon, how you doing today, man? How's L.A.? Oh, I am doing fantastic. Just before we hopped on the podcast, I was out uh, spending an egregious amount of money on clothes uh, because I just got paid yesterday. And, you know, <laughs> I, I the humble brag, I've lost enough weight now that I need I don't fit a lot in a lot of my clothes anymore. So, uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good day. Blow some money that I don't really have. <laughs> that sounds good, man. And then we have our other guest on the show, which is our buddy, Mike, the fantasy hitman, right? Fresh off of a vacay, by the way. Um, you have fun at Legoland. Uh, it was all right. I don't know if you you caught in the uh, we do the show after the show, kind of like a YouTube exclusive thing. But I I talked all about the bees in Legoland because like they are just they're everywhere, man. There's an infestation of bees, and I am outrageously terrified by them. Like more than a grown man should be afraid of bees, but that's that's life, man. I've accepted I've accepted who I am, <laughs> and that's a person who's afraid of bees. 
So I spent about 80% of the vacation at like maximum adrenaline coursing through my body as I'm swatting at bees and fearing for my life. But other than that, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I seen you mention it on Twitter. So uh, definitely seen that. So, okay. I mean, that sounds not too bad. I mean, you didn't spend all this clothes like uh, Matt has been, but that's still both, <laughs> bo- both good days. Both good days. Um, so guys, we are exactly what one month away, almost almost one month away from the actual NFL season opener. Um, we're one day away from preseason, uh, which is tomorrow, the hall of fame game, uh, green Bay versus Indianapolis. Um, I know, and I know we all cover this stuff pretty much year round for the most part, but we're approaching that sweet spot for us. Um, I've spoken with both of you before on, on separate occasions. Um, if anyone hasn't listened to those podcasts, go back and listen to them. But, you know, uh, with Mike, I discussed, you know, obviously you got, you got the fantasy footballers podcast. You guys have the draft kit. You guys have all the rankings and everything on the site. Um, and of course you guys know, Matt, uh, backyard banter podcasts, reception, perception, so on and so on. Um, I just wanted to do things a little bit different today though. Um, I figured we can kind of answer, I got, I got a bunch of questions, um, from listeners, uh, have some games we can play, just kind of do everything fancy football this episode. Um, and so we're going to kind of open up with the questions. Are you guys both cool with that or? That sounds fine to me. All right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. I listen to obviously listen to Mike and the fancy footballers podcast all the time. And I know we agree on a lot of stuff, so we have to maybe bake in some disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Argue just for argument's sake here. I guess we could do that. <laughs> um, so uh, we're just going to go straight into the questions. Um, the first one I got, uh, was from a gentleman, uh, his, his handles at Dem Bones. Um, he asked an interesting question. He wants to know if, if you could think of one player, uh, and I guess you would probably go on a guy that's more higher on, on, on all of our rankings here, but um, one player who, if you moved him to a new team, so I don't know, something like Hopkins to Green Bay or, or, or even a lesser guy if you want, but who, can you name one guy who would get a considerable bump if he changed teams right now? Any, any, any team you could think of. I mean, can you think of one guy who would get like, bump straight into the first round or even a number one pick spot just from from that change can either one of you guys throw one name out there even i'll let you go first matt yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna stick close to to mike's home here and like if any of those arizona receivers were on a different team you know where they were a clear number one i think that would be an exciting situation like if michael floyd or john brown were were a clear number one on another team uh that would be a situation where you might see them vault up a couple of rounds. Uh, however, at the same time, you know you don't want to you don't want to take away a, a receiver from from Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer and one of the NFL's best deep passing offenses. So maybe that was actually that didn't really make a lot of sense from, from that perspective. <laughs> but I think I do I do definitely think that you know yeah those guys would get a, a bump up. I think I do think Hopkins to you know a passing team like Green Bay would be uh, would be good for him because I've I've talked about this a lot that. The, the Texans want to be very run heavy, very conservative. They were first and fifth in the NFL in rushing attempts in each of O'Brien's first two years there. Uh, I think he, they, they might see a, just a, a big decrease in passing volume overall. And also they have other weapons emerging. He might not get 122 tar- or 192 targets again. So that's a good one to mention for sure. And I would take, uh, I would take Todd Gurley off of the Rams wow. and put him on a team that is actually capable of scoring points because – I, and I'm Todd Gurley's already, you know, incredibly high in the draft of some people, you know, they take him top three, but he's definitely not going to make it past, I would say, the top six in the normal person's draft. But I, I'm, I have hesitancy of going in on Todd Gurley. I see a, a scenario that plays out where 
we are all like, man, we should have looked at the team more. And it's it because everyone is essentially what it feels like is people are saying, okay, Todd Gurley is the next Adrian Peterson because right. you've put him on this team that has been horrifying, horrifying offensively speaking. Uh, but you just think that he's going to produce, you know, fantasy points where we can look back historically. Whenever you look at the running back ones, uh, almost all of them are on high-powered offenses or at least a winning team, at least that, other than Adrian Peterson, who just, he can defy all odds. Uh, so it would be, I, I like, I would love to go all in on Todd Gurley. I think he's an amazing running back, I, but I'm not calling him an Adrian Peterson level of running back yet. So that would, that's where things would be great for me. If we could, if we could just move Gurley to, to another team, like even like even the Raiders for me put Gurley on the Raiders, I'd be so happy about it. But with him on the Rams, I have concerns. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's a good call. I should I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- that's what we should do for every point, Matt Harmon. Oh, what a good point, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would like that Gurley to the Raiders. If, if if something like that happened, like Gurley to the Raiders, would to, to would that lock him in at number one for you though, or still is it just kind of you know, is it still just, you know, makes him a little stronger from where he's at right now, but, or would it lock him in or like a Dallas offensive line? Would that lock him in at number one, Mike? Oh man, you put him on Dallas. He's a, yeah, he might be the number one guy to the Raiders. Isn't going to make him number one for me, but he would be like, he would confidently be in that top three. We are like, I'm, I have zero concerns about anything in any kind of bust coming from him other than injury where right now, I mean, he's a top five guy for me, but like I said, if if he busts, it right. it's not going to shock me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, for sure. All right, cool. So the next one is from at Andrew9. Um, <clears throat> and he's basically asking, why why do people hate on uh, Freeman this season? It seems like uh, he's not getting a lot of love, or at least after the season that he's had. Um, he, he's saying that you know he was the number one running back last year for his team and, and uh, you know one of the top ten, I believe it was, in every category you could think of. He has the same quarterback, same coach, improved O-line. He said he he does mention Coleman because every a lot of people like Coleman this year and they, they feel like he's going to take away from from Freeman a little bit. But he, he he still feels that you know in the NFL today there's only a handful of guys who don't have a backup that's stealing carries like that in the first place. So so what's with the dramatic shift? Um, I, you know, Mike, you want to start this one, Mike? Sure. And and, uh, and also really quick, are you one of the haters? Also, <laughs> uh, I would I would not put myself in a position of a hater, but I would definitely be. <laughs> Uh, one of these skeptics where, uh, uh, I mean, a guy who does, I, I know he was the overall number one running back, but you always, you have to always take caution with final end of season fantasy numbers. They're, they're great to look at and to kind of start a conversation for the following year. You're like, Oh, this guy was the third best wide receiver or what, it, what have you. But just because you're the number one doesn't, necessarily mean you were the best fantasy asset because i mean he had that four game stretch where i believe he put up about 50 percent or so of his total points in four games so that's not uh that that's not necessarily the kind of guy you you want to anchor your team around and you look at the the end of the season where those final five games he i think he averaged three yards just over three yards a carry which is I mean, you you can't survive. You cannot. You can't keep giving a guy the ball if he's only going to give you three yards per carry. I know he's he's pretty solid in the passing game, 
But where I am not a hater and I'm just in the uh, I'm okay with him is despite him getting three yards a carry, he was still averaging double digit fantasy points because he's because he scores touchdowns right. and because he's so useful in the passing game. So that's where I, that's where I'm at. Where I just I have hesitancy. I'm, I'm a, he's still at the back of my running back ones. Uh, so you know, like a back of the second round. I'm still okay jumping in on him right there, but just because he was the number one overall running back, that doesn't that doesn't to me say, oh, I'm jumping all in because it's going to repeat. Right, Matt. Do you, do you feel the same way, Matt, or are you more of the opposite? Are you, are you more of a fan of him than than you know? The way things are going right now, or are you also in that in that you know little bit of a you know not not much as much of a fan of him this year? Yeah, I always get frustrated with you know analysis that comes from people in the fantasy community that that kind of is like, well, you know, Devonta Freeman's not going to do what he did last year, so he's going to be a bust or he's going to regress. Like we, I think we all already know that. You know, like we know he's being he's currently being priced as the running back eight uh in the middle of second round in on fantasy football calculator so i think some of that's already baked in so then you can't really say he's going to disappoint for expectations because he's being drafted appropriately exactly um yeah so that's that's key to me um and i think i why i'm still kind of in on freeman in that where he goes now like i agree with mike if he was a first round pick i would i would balk at that i don't think that's appropriate but where i think where I where I'm still in on him is the safe floor that he had. Mike mentioned that he was still averaging double digit fantasy points even when his rushing uh, efficiency dipped. He's so good in the passing game. You know, 73 catches last year, over um, I think not, um, almost 100 targets. Uh, he was basically the number two receiver, which isn't a good thing for the Falcons, but is a good thing for fantasy. <laughs> right. He's a great pass catcher where Tevin Coleman struggles, and Freeman's also a great red zone player. Uh, ten of his ten of his touchdowns last year came inside the ten yard line, so he's a good touchdown threat. And like so that those two things combined are going to give him a pretty safe fantasy floor. So especially if you start off with a heavy wide receiver approach, if you mix Freeman in there as your running back one, I think you're going to get a safe, reliable floor. You know, Coleman is certainly going to mix in. I think we're we're at a point where we can't deny that they want to have him at least maybe even at worst split touches with Coleman or split split touches with Freeman. But at the same time, you know, he's going to be getting those between the 20 uh, between the 20 looks and, and Coleman has the big playability to pop off and score from long ranges, but he's just not a good consistent inside runner, which is why Freeman will remain the red zone player and he's not a great pass catcher. So those two things will make Freeman a, a pretty valuable fantasy play just from a floor perspective. Yeah. Do you so- see, do you see any kind of world harmony though where Freeman can get double digit rushing touchdowns again? Um probably not, but that's I think that they will need they will need other players to emerge in their passing game in the red zone to be to for that not to happen or for him not to become a mainstay there. Um like look at the way Danny Woodhead is used in the in the red zone. I think you could see something like that for Devonta Freeman this season. Um and and like because just looking through the their group of pass catchers, you know they drafted a tight end, but rookie tight ends typically don't do anything. Mohamed Sanu, I'm kind of in on because he goes so cheap and he is could fall backwards into 100 targets even if he's not a great player. But he's not necessarily an elite red zone presence. And Julio Jones, as great as he is, has never been a big touchdown scorer himself for you know whatever reason. And that could certainly change as soon as this year. But Matt Ryan was pretty poor in the red zone. 
52 point or 52.4% completion percentage down there. So I think they're still going to have to rely on Freeman in the, in the, uh, in the red zone. So that sort of season for him could be within his, I, I don't think it's a, a complete, uh, it's not a complete shock if he were, if he were to do that again. Absolutely. And so, and Mike, really quick saying on this Coleman Freeman thing, really quick, if in, in drafts, do you think, you're going to get a better value than at a Coleman where he's going, or do you think Freeman's still the better bet where he's going at, you know, on average right now? I still think that Freeman's the better, but if you can get Freeman at the top of the third round, I think that's, that's a really good pick. Like, uh, like Harmon was just saying, I mean, it's, if Coleman can't be that kind of reliable pass catching guy, uh, in that Shanahan system, then, uh, then it's not going to work out for him. And yeah. that's, if, if, if they trust Freeman, and all that in the pass protection in that scenario, then Coleman's just, he's just a, a handcuff that I don't really, I don't really want on my team. Right. I guess if, right. if I'm, if I'm drafting Freeman, I'm not going to pay up for, for Coleman. Where's I'm going to look where Coleman's going right now at the back of the eighth. Yeah. I would, I would not pay that price for a, uh, handcuff gotcha all right and then going going like polar opposite um you know like i said you know freeman's getting kind of a little you know a little shade thrown on him and that, that's okay but the polar opposite is like zeke elliott right um so um someone wrote in about uh his name is at two drink minimum awesome name and he has a he sent a bunch of great questions actually this week <laughs> um and he wants to know if, if the zeke hype train is out of control um so i mean obviously we all know it's that that train is moving pretty damn fast and uh do, you know mike i guess we'll start with you do you think it's moving too fast or do you think that it's just right uh it's uh, i think it's just right i mean i know there's the fears of the rookie when he was when he's uh first drafted you know i i i did i threw out the caution you know of this guy has never taken a professional snap in his life and we're all freaking out but it's the i mean that narrative is there where the number four overall pick in the, in the draft, you don't take a running back there to say, okay, we're going to give you half the carries and we're going to give the other half to, or a third to Darren McFadden and to Alfred Morris. Uh, so to me, it's, it's, it's Zeke or bust for them. And the, the guy that I look to for the comp is Darren McFadden. And if you, uh, like I don't know if people remember because we we have recency bias. Whatever happened last year, that's kind of the only thing that's ever happened in football. That's that's what we tend to do with our memories. But Darren McFadden was an abomination of a running back for years. For years, his inefficiency was unparalleled in football. He was just so bad, and on top of that, all the injuries. But last year, eighth most carries in the league. Over a thousand yards, fourth fourth most rushing yards in the league, and that was a guy who didn't even he wasn't the starter the first couple of games. You had the underwear burglar taking all the carries. <laughs> so th- the fact that that Darren McFadden was able to do what he did and and a, with mostly Tony Romo less team to move the ball on the ground and be so effective in the passing game, uh, like I play fantasy football risky. You know, with my first picks, I know there's guys out there, uh, Jason on our show, he's he's all about making sure his first pick is safe. I'm making sure that my first pick, if he hits, is going to be, uh, it, it could carry my team by himself for, right. for a few weeks. So Elliot, to me, is in that camp. So I'm I'm okay in the back of the first jumping in on him. Okay. And, and, so, and so, Matt, since, you know, we're talking about rookies here, 
curious, just switching from Elliot for a second with, with the rookie wide receivers, like there, there's no, for me, I've been noticing in drafts and just in general, I've not gone like crazy for any rookie wide receiver. Um, I didn't feel like, I don't feel like I ever have to have to grab one or that, you know, if I miss out, I'm going to like really regret it. Um, do, do you think at, at this moment that there's any rookie wide receiver that'll break a thousand yards this season? Uh, that you feel really the, good about like doing yeah, that. Yeah, I think the the favorite to do it would probably be Sterling Shepard just because of the opportunity. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his game. His his success rate versus man coverage and press coverage were the two far and away top scores among the res, rookie receivers that I charted coming into this draft. Uh, so he's a guy that I thought was a, a top three talent at the position. Uh, and now he's really in a perfect landing spot. I mean, the, Victor Cruz is back and practicing, but he lo- doesn't look sh- shocker. He doesn't look the same <laughs> apparently coming at it. And and I love Victor Cruz, and I I, I wish him the best. But I don't, I think you're stretching it if you think he's going to start at the number two uh, position. So I think it's it's pretty. It, the drumbeat has been pretty clear for Shepard winning that job pretty much from mini camps, and he's having a good training camp as well too. And and this is going to be a pass-first offense. They don't necessarily have a foundation running back, even though Rashad Jennings is a steal in fantasy drafts right now. Um, they don't really have a foundation running running it back, and they are going to throw the ball a lot, and they run the up-tempo timing execution routes that Shepard is just so good at. He was the best route runner in this year's class. I think he's the favorite to do it, and really the one that I think should go off the board first, even though that's kind of upside down from where a lot of the guys got drafted ahead of him, I, I think he ended up in the perfect spot. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him this year, too. And then, and you just mentioned Rashad Jennison. So, Rashad, Rashad Jennison. So you feel like he's a steal this year, where he's going? Ooh. Yeah, big I fan? mean, so, yeah, I'm a fan <laughs> just because I think I think people remember that ugly four-way committee last year in, in New York, and rightfully so. That was terrible. I mean, that was one of just I, – I, you constantly hear this about the running back position. That the guys need to get into a rhythm. They need to, you know, start feeling it after a first, after a few runs of, you know, two or three or just four yards or whatever to really break a couple long ones. And, you know, they, some of these guys like Todd Gurley is a great one who gets better at the longer he stays in the game. His fourth quarter stats are, are far and away the, the best quarter that he plays in. So the, just having the, that constant cycle of mediocre after mediocre after mediocre running back is, is really bad for, for the running back position and the team in general. So, and, but now it looks, it sounds like from, from giants training camp that Jennings has been the clear guy that as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be uh, the workhorse there. And you know, that's not uh, that's not a thing that he's been good at in terms of staying healthy. He's had some injury issues and could see that crop up again, but, you know, he's going off the board in the late seventh round as running back 35. I could certainly see, especially if this offense is as good as we think it is going to be, a scenario where he pays off that ADP and more. Absolutely. And oh, Mike, Mike, do you agree with that? Do you, do you like Jennings? Or? Oh, man. Rashad Jennings is my guy. I've been, I've been talking about how much I want to draft Rashad Jennings since March. Because uh, with Rashad Jennings, yeah, like Harmon said, people remember the four – the the platoon of four guys, the moronic platoon. But what they don't remember is over the final five weeks of the season, Rashad Jennings was the overall number five running back because he was dominating. And I just I felt like with uh, with Ben McAdoo getting to getting moved up and and being the guy, I just felt like he was going to say, okay, we're, let let's go with Jennings. Maybe that's just a gut thing. Maybe that's uh, feeling that the old regime was a little too old school. Uh, and I, so I, I don't know what, where, how my thought process landed me on there. Maybe it was just, 
you know, the success of it. How, like, how do you walk away from that success of when your, your offense is really firing and you have a running back who's just destroying everybody every time he touches the ball? So I love Rashad Jennings. He's act, he is moving up now because he was an eighth round steal. But even if he jumps into the sixth, if he does not, even if he doesn't give you 16 games, if you get a running back who gives you, he's a starting running back for a great offense and he plays, you know, 12 games in the sixth round, that's perfectly fine with me. I, I think that's fantastic, actually. So Rashad Jennings is one of my, one of my favorite mid round guys this year. Wow. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> credit to both of you because I had no idea this conversation would ever go to Rashad Jennings. So <laughs> when that old man strength, man, don't <laughs> overlook surprises. it. So that that is definitely props to Rashad Jennings. And now I will be looking for him even earlier. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, okay, maybe I should hold off on letting this go. Get a draft in first. <laughs> make some trade offers. Yeah, make some trade offers. Get some. Let me get him in a couple of drafts and then let the episode go. Oh man. So, all right. So, I mean, I want to, I got a whole bunch of questions and so I'm going to hold off on some of those for right now just to, I want to, I want to play a game with you guys. Um, I I started a few episodes back. It's called fantasy trade blackjack. Um, and I actually, I actually played it with, um, Marcus Grant last week. Um, I'm at, so uh, I he, hate that guy. <laughs> you're pretty familiar with them, right? So typical uh, that Marcus Grant is the most like just constantly rubbing in his, rubbing in our face that he's on TV and we're not. And, you know, just, no, I'm, I'm totally joking. Marcus is like the most amazing, wonderful, like humble person. Well, about that part, it, humble uh, person that I've ever <laughs> been around. Like I, if I was, if I was, you know, on TV like that and as cool as he is at his age, which I won't reveal. Uh, I would I would be constantly rubbing it in people's face. So so you know he's a great he's a great person. Yeah, good dude. So he did pretty good. You know we um, w- what I basically do in this game is I, I act as the dealer, right? And so I'm gonna put a, a card out or a, a player, of course, first on the table so you guys can see who I have, and then I'm gonna deal you cards um, and and see if we can agree on a trade for my guy that I already have out for the players that I'm dealing you. Um, and, and basically if I, when I first give you the first player, you tell me if you feel like that's already a good deal or if I should hit you or, you know, if you're going to stand, however you want to do it. Um, and we'll see if we can come agree on a deal or if we'll bust. Um, so like, so like I said, I, I, I'm going to do both of you on separate deals. So that way it doesn't get too crazy. <laughs> um, so, um, let, let's go ahead and go right into this. So, so the card that I'm going to put out is actually a guy we've been talking about a lot here is Devonta Freeman. So that's the guy I have here. And Mike, I'm going to deal you the first card, which is Latavius Murray. Um, do you feel good about that yet? As in, I would trade Latavius Murray for Freeman, or yeah. I own Freeman. Um, let, let's go with you. Let, let's switch. Let's see. Maybe we can switch this up. You, I, I'm gonna say I, I have you, you have Freeman. Uh, you have Freeman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go that way. All if right. I have Freeman. There's no way. There's no possible way I'm trading him for for Latavius Murray. So you got to hit me. Okay, Michael Floyd. So now Whoa. now you're getting Murray and Floyd for Freeman. Oh man, uh, you know what? I would be, I could, I could be coerced into that. Uh, I, I would probably press my luck. I feel like I'm sitting at 17, and I'm gonna hit for that four. Uh, but uh, I love Michael Floyd. Um, I, I think that someone from the Cardinals is. I, I mean, I think they're all gonna have a great season. But with Michael Floyd's. Uh, kind of that mini breakout. I, I feel like Michael Floyd mini breaks out every year, so maybe I'm just buying into <laughs> fool's gold here. But I think he had like 500 yard games, and if the recalling how horrific the the hand injury that he suffered was, so it's not bizarre that it took him so long to get into the flow of the offense. Right. When your knuckles come out of your hand, 
Yeah, that sounds uh, painful. So, so uh, I, I think I would take the risk of Murray holding on to that job and, and getting the volume he got last year if I get the that upside of Michael Floyd. All right, cool. Yeah, that, that that's where I would have stopped too. So we're we're good on that deal, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't go any further. All right, Matt. I'm gonna put on the table Jordy Nelson. All right. Now the first card you get is Jordan Matthews. Hit you or stand? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to hit me. Okay. On that one. The next card I give you is Danny Woodhead. Yeah, you're still gonna have to hit me on that one. I, I, love, I love I love I love Woodhead, but I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm really shaky on Matthews this season. So. All right, but All I right. shouldn't probably give you away. But yeah, hit me. Come on. All right, the last one I'm gonna hit you with is Kevin White. Did I just push the deal over? Or are you like you know what I'm gonna hold on to Jordy? Yeah, I I I really hate trades where I feel like I'm get you know, and I've got one dynasty league that that this happens all the time. Like somebody will send me a trade offer for like one really good piece and then you know three to four just kind of meh guys and not not this there's some interesting pieces in this trade but i think i'm gonna back off and go with the speculative upside that jordy can return to you know top eight wide receiver status so we're gonna bust on this one and you know jay cutler said kevin white was gonna be special man i thought jay cutler was was the worst quarterback in the league (laughs) allegedly Oh yeah, right. Allegedly, <laughs> that's another. That's another one where beat writers are not on message with Kevin White. Some what sometimes he's a beast, he's dominant, and other times he's raw, he's not ready. I'm like, oh man, what is it? <laughs> scary stuff. Scary stuff. Where Where are you on White, Harmon? I like I like White long term as a, as a talent, and I think that there's a lot of upside this year, even though it's his you know his theoretical first year in the NFL. Um, especially just like if he. It could be a situation where it's one of those two highly concentrated two wide receiver offenses that I really like to look for in fantasy with uh, with Alshon and Kevin White. And Alshon's also already hurt again. Uh, and if he were to go down for any extended stretch, I could see a situation where White is just funneled targets. So there's a lot of there's a lot to like there. I'm in on him. I'm in on his ADP right now, like in the seventh to ninth round, depending on who you're drafting with. I'm in on that, but. Uh, it, it's it, there's still some risk there. Yeah, the risk is called Jay Cutler. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> allegedly. Cuddy, allegedly, if, if, he, if Cuddy can do one thing, he he can just just shovel it to one guy over and over again. Yes, so. he can. Yes, that's true. All right, all right. So so we busted on that deal. That's all right. That's all right. You know, Marcus wasn't this difficult, Matt. I must say. Um, I, I mean, I told you that that's how it is. <laughs> oh, that was, I think Harmon made the right move. I love to be the guy peddling away the three mediocre pieces for one yeah. great piece. Totally agree. Infuriating. Totally agree. All right. the guy on the other end of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So the, the first card I'm going to put out this time is Gronk. Gronkowski. Okay, so I own Gronk. You own Gronk. The first right. card you're gonna, that I'm going to put on the table now is Moncrief. Hit or stand? What? Yeah. That if someone offered me Moncrief for Gronk, they're getting a like you're getting blacklisted. I'm not listening to any more of your trade <laughs> oh, offers. Oh man! All right. And I if, love Moncrief, but come on. What What if All they right. What if they throw in a tight end? Now they give you Ladarius Green. And any interest? Nope. Nope. All right. What if they hit you with a third card, and it's a guy like let's say Jeremy Langford? You believe in him at all? Uh, I have uh, minimal amounts of Langford in no. There was well, we are we are no longer friends in this league. This the trade <laughs> discussions are over. Don't ever send me another offer. Listen, people offer stuff like this. You have to we have to you know we have to run it because people do do this. All well, right. Well, then I'm telling you, this is what you do. 
you 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 defriend that person on Facebook to send them a message. You send them wow. a social media message. I've blocked you on my Twitter. Wow. I've blocked you on my Facebook because you're you're a butt face. Can can they earn and, their can they earn it back, man? Can they can they get friended again? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just send in a message. Just send a message. All right. So that, actually, that's that's probably the point where I counter trade them. You, you you do the 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 jerk move of okay, like, well, I, I decline your trade, but you're gonna send me Julio Jones, and I'm gonna send you Legarrette Blunt. <laughs> like that, that's the kind of offer I would send back. Ah, uh, that is hilarious. All right, so we're busted on that one. Um, yeah. All right, this one I got for Matt here. I, I wanted to see what he would say. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of create a scenario here first. So let's just say you're you're low on you don't have you don't have um enough depth at wide receiver. It's like a three wide receiver league or something. Okay, so just think about that first. Now the the, the player on the table is Hopkins. Okay, all right. So so the first person I draw at you, which I assume we're gonna hit here, obviously is Aiken. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you're gonna have to hit me, of course. Okay, now, <laughs> now, now now what if I hit you with Sneed? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm probably gonna need to be hit again, but you, you're hitting on you're hitting on a couple. <laughs> oh, of my, I, re- my I have here. a player in my head, and like it would be the Matt Harmon trifecta. So I really hope you pick this guy. I there was a couple of guys for Matt Harmon trifecta, and I was kind of going for that. But this guy I put in here is just I just hear a lot of buzz about him, so he might. I don't know if he's part of the trifecta or not, but Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I'm taking it now. I'll take now. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> you, check, you checked all. You checked all three boxes there. So you clearly uh, you're clearly paying attention here. Yeah. Uh, so this is good. Uh, but no, I like. I really like all three of these guys. Of course, if you read reception perception, and you know, I am. I probably would have taken uh, that deal that you offered, Mike, too, because I do think there is some value to selling off a, a really high end player for three quality pieces where you can fill out the depth of your roster. And I think all of those guys, maybe not Snead, but definitely Aiken and, and, and Lockett have really high upside at their current cost uh, to outperform that. And so I'm, I'm in on all those, all three of those guys. And Hopkins is a guy who I see is more of like a back half wide receiver one than a top half wide receiver one uh, written about that recently too. You know, I think that that's a pretty good trade. I would take that. I had to do it, man. I had to do it. I was, I was like, let's see, let's see how what he does here. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, was, you know, you really, like, you really knew how to how to get there. Is that the player that you were going to put in there, Mike? The other, yeah, one? yeah, I was like, if he throws out Tyler Lockett or Tory Smith, then this deal is happening. Yeah, that was the other one I, I was thinking. Have, I wouldn't have done it. For, I probably wouldn't have done it for Tory Smith. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I probably I would have done it for I definitely obviously I did it for Lockett, and I thought John Brown was another one that if it had been put in there, it would have been a slam dunk. So. <laughs> All right, cool. I had to do it. Um, all right, Mike. All right, I hear a lot of hype about this guy. Some people just don't believe after all the injuries. So the, the name on the table is Jamal Charles. All right? Okay. All right. The first guy I'm going to throw at you, and again, uh, these are names. I'm, I'm purposely using certain names because there's either a lot of talk about them or a lot of questions about them. So the first guy sure. I'm putting on the table is Hyde. Carl, I do like Carlos Hyde, but I, I, uh, I love Jamal Charles. He's my number three running back right now so you would have to do better than than Hyde. okay let's say you're in a little bit of running back situation just like just like matt was with the wire receivers now what if i add okay. a jaya to this oh um uh, probably not uh just because uh, look i of the the miami situation i'm still on team ajayi because i don't i don't see a world where a guy of arian foster's age and his workload that he can 
come back from a ruptured Achilles and be that featured guy for an entire season. So, and there was uh, the the quotes from the offensive coordinator coming out saying that Miami wants a guy. They want a three down guy in Miami, which makes sense with uh, if you if you look back of the snap percentages for Adam Gase offenses, he he tends to like having that one guy. I mean, it's obviously Gase has a, a shorter career sample size, but that's what the numbers tell you. Uh, so I like going for a Jai late, but with how much I believe in Charles, uh, I would still have to pass. And I want to see what this last piece is. Yeah, see if the, we put the, it over the edge. The, the last piece is another running back, and it's a, and a guy that I just don't know about. And so I want to see what you think about him. And the, and the, and the guy that I'm going to add in here is Gordon, Melvin Gordon. Oh, oh, you, you swung and miss. Melvin Gordon is, is not a guy that I fully believe in. Uh, I can see if if my team was in desperate running back need, uh, I could probably do it because I see the the upside of Hyde. I see him. I think he can be a running back one. Uh, I'm a Chip Kelly truther. Uh, I wear that badge proudly, and I receive the hate. You know, probably rightfully so for it. Uh, so if if I was in the the right scenario, I could do that. But generally speaking, I would probably still pass. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I know, but that's tough. That's really tough, though. Yeah. So I guess so. So you're, are, are you? Are you? I know you obviously you didn't want to take the trade, and so you keep Charles. Are you concerned at all that this is going to happen again with Disney? Or I mean, obviously you have to be a little bit for the ACL. Yeah. No, I'm mean, I'm not concerned about the ACL tearing. You're just you're worried about the age and uh, other injuries popping up because of the ACL. But I mean, it's it, we've seen it once, and he came back. Okay, so I mean, maybe that's a, a ridiculous thing to to buy into. Right. I'm saying, well, he did it once, you can do it again. <laughs> uh, but I just I think the work or, or the the work ethic is there, and we saw the 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 fantastic news for Charles was the targets returned. You know, a couple two years ago or so or three years, I guess. Um, it, it was you. We I feel like we had that press conference with Andy Reid every other week of, oh yeah, I should have got Jamal Charles the ball. A little bit more, you know. Like, yeah, no kidding, Andy Reid. Get the <laughs> get the best player on your team the ball. Uh, but then two years ago, the targets, uh, the the targets really rose back to the level you expected from that monster fantasy MVP season. So I I just I believe in Charles, and I believe okay. that he is an elite level difference maker at the running back position in a crop of running backs where you don't you have very very little difference making running backs. Right. Absolutely. All right, so that's a bust. <laughs> All right, Matt, the last one I'm going to do today. Um, we talked about this guy earlier. You guys actually talked about it. Uh, Mike Evans. All right, so that's the guy That's the guy on the board here. And Ooh. I'm going to throw one of your guys that you like at you to start with, obviously. We'll see how this goes. Um, John Brown is the first card I'm giving you. Yeah, I, obviously everybody knows I have the hard eye emojis for John Brown, um, but I, I also really love uh, Evans' ceiling this season, so I'm going to need a little more than that. So All hit right. me. So now what if I hit you with the mystery guy, Josh Gordon? Ooh, that's tempting. Uh, but because I know how this game works and I know I can get a third. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, just... you're already breaking the system. Yeah, right. All I right. Mean, I, I'm, fair, I'm, I'm smart enough to figure that out. Come on, give me some credit. <laughs> I'm not a complete idiot. But, uh, yeah, hit me, hit me one more time just because of the uncertainty Ooh, of Gordon. like Brittany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. all right so this guy i'm gonna hit you with this a lot of talk just just recently a lot of talks coming up here about this young guy sammy Coates. that's interesting i'm 
Um, now, I mean, for the record, off the air, you and Mike really like Evans. I don't think that was on the podcast. So I, I, I'm interested to see, you know, how, how much of it takes to get there. Well, you can always clip it and take put it on the podcast. Yeah, that's you know, true. I, I, was, I don't know if I was I recording. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say anything uh, too inflammatory about that person that I work with that I hate. But uh, oh, I think, <laughs> I think that the, uh, I think that I would take this deal honestly. Um, and I, I didn't think I would be in on Sammy Coates this year because I wasn't a fan of him coming out of college. Uh, I thought he was a limited player that had a real weakness tracking the deep ball, which. You know, everybody wants him to replace Martavis Bryant because he's also big and fast. But Martavis has just a great instinct tracking the deep ball over his head. And that's something that Coates struggles to do. He's also not necessarily the greatest route runner in the world. But by all reports, he's crushing it in camp. Uh, he's coming really in shape and dedicated. He was already a dude that in college was in, you know, just a tremendous athlete. So he could be a really scary player if, if it's all clicking for him. And, and he's so cheap still, too. People are in, still in on Marcus Wheaton. I'm completely off on Wheaton, and the fact that he's getting outplayed in camp and could lose his starting job to Coates is just, you know, another reason why he's just, he's just, you know, he's just not that good, unfortunately. And it yeah. just does not seem to any. And I think he could be a good player in a different offense, but he just doesn't click with Roethlisberger and what and what he looks at. And you know, his touchdown numbers were inflated uh, at the end of the last year, but he still only had one game, the 200 yard game against Seattle, where he cracked over 70 yards. And he was the number two receiver in, uh, in the early part of the season, he was terrible. He averaged 1.8 catches and four and just 45 yards per game. So in the first five weeks, of the regular season. So I'm out on, I'm out on Wheaton. I think Coates, as long as he's in the double digit rounds is a great play. And I, I mean, obviously, I love John Brown. I think he could finish as a clear wide receiver two this year in fantasy, and it's so that's enough. And with Josh Gordon's speculative upside to get me to give up Evans. Okay, and Mike, how do you feel about Josh Gordon? What do you, what do you, what, 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 like, not not just mm. what you think, but like, where if you are going to draft him, if you would, where where do you feel absolutely comfortable doing so? If I'm going to draft Josh Gordon, I mean, it's it's going to completely be decided by the makeup of my team. If I think I can absorb that kind of a draft capital on a guy that's well, one, he's going to miss four games Two, he hasn't played in uh, you know, a year and a half or whatever it is. And the last time we saw him wasn't very good. Um, so if, if my team is right, I can go in on him maybe late fifth round, but uh sixth round makes me feel a little bit better okay. uh, about going in on Josh Gordon. And I, I love the, the Sammy Coates take, uh, I, I had to jump in on this because the I was glad Harmon brought up the point of people look at Marcus Wheaton's like, well, he ended the year pretty strong. Yeah. Like, yeah, because he had Martavis Bryant on the team. Like, mm-hmm. look, look when Bryant was not on the team, Marcus Wheaton was awful. He was getting outplayed fantasy wise by Darius Hayward Bay. And That's so the, just <laughs> so Marcus Wheaton as the number two, it's just it's I, I don't I don't see a world where that's going to work. So I'm I'm fully in on Coates as a, a fantastic late round flyer. Absolutely, and see, so so you said you'd feel comfortable, you know, you'd feel a lot better in the sixth round, Matt. Yeah. Uh, do you agree? Are you are you there? Because I know when I had Marcus on last week, he said he, he feels like he's a double digit round guy. Ooh. Yeah, I I'm kind of on an island. It feels like uh, with uh, with with my Josh Gordon feelings at NFL fantasy. You know, James Coe called me an idiot live on live on television for saying how <laughs> oh. to draft. Uh, which was hilarious, by the way. Um, and Marcus Grant had the had our video team clip it 
as soon as it happened. But yeah, <laughs> I, so I said I've said it all along that I would take Josh Gordon in the fifth to sixth round or fifth to seventh round if, like in Mike highlighted, the key is if you go for wide receiver heavy teams, uh, it, it, you have to insulate Josh Gordon with a strong wide receiver core. You're banking on you know the the, the idea behind these zero running back teams is that you're is that you're scoring so many points from the wide receiver position. You just have such a, a growth of, of riches there that you, that you're just outscoring teams at will. And Josh Gordon can certainly be a part of that. If he even not, not even if he hits his peak, if he hits his peak, then it's unfair. But if he's just scoring as a, even a, even a two where you're taking him, then that's, that's pretty good. And you're also like, if he completely busts, if he's out of shape and you're, he's, or he's not playing well, or he gets, you know, suspended again for screwing up then you're insulated from that because he was like your fourth wide receiver on his zero running back team but you can't take gordon if you go for like early round running backs if you only have one wide wide receiver when you come up to the sixth round you can't take or even two you can't take a guy like gordon because it's just too much so it's it is really all about team construction um and being able to uh, insulate yourself from his downside gotcha and and look at look at the guys going behind him because you got jordan i'm looking at fantasy football calculator here's these are the guys going behind gordon jordan matthews john brown parker lockett kevin white and deshaun jackson just i'll cut it off there those are you know those are fine those are great players do any of them have the ability though to be the overall number one wide receiver once Gordon comes back, you know, I'm not going to call him number one, but I know, and, and it's not even close. So to get that upside in the sixth round, like I said, I play risky, but if you're not, if you're not first, you're last, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm willing to go in on these guys. You know, and, and you mentioned like those other guys, I don't even think, and I love Lockett and Brown and I would take them over a guy like Josh Gordon, but I don't think either one of them, and much less any of the others, has even wide receiver one upside in their range right. of outcomes as things stand today. And Gordon, we know, like we have tangible evidence that he, that he's capable of doing that. If, if huge ifs, if it all comes together. But yeah, nevertheless, I mean, he's just he's an incredibly appealing upside play if you if you construct it the right way. And we overrate so much, like how short, like how. How how long it takes in fantasy drafts to turn into a crapshoot? I mean, once you get into like the sixth <laughs> round, you're you're taking you're taking on risks at every single one of your picks, and yep. plenty of things can't work out. I mean, all those guys have a lot of issues on their table. I mean, Josh Gordon's are just so real and very present, but yeah, it, it starts to get hazy quickly. And you know, everybody thinks they're like in the eighth round or sec- even the sixth round that they're still drafting surefire every week plays, and you're, you're kidding yourself if you think like that. So the, the guys at NFL, uh, the like the guys who are calling you an idiot, so to speak, where are they jumping in on like Tom Brady? If if Brady's going to miss four games, you know, where are they okay just throwing him on the bench and waiting yeah. that out? Well, I think everybody, most or most of us at, at NFL are pretty out on Brady. Uh, okay, that's because, good. Yeah. The, well, and I, I wrote the piece about how you can't draft all of these suspended players because there was like a little quick idea that that could be a cute thing to do, like, you know, take Le'Veon Bell in the second round, then take Josh Gordon in the seventh round, and then take Tom Brady in the tenth <laughs> round. And it's just, a, it was like a laughable idea. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know Marcus and, and uh, James, I know, are pretty, pretty anti taking Josh Gordon that high. And I get it. Like, you know, if you're not going to, I'm it's just, it makes so much sense to me because that's how I draft my teams, anyways. Like heavy wide receivers, you know, 
realize very quickly that you're that you're guessing more often than you're making a sure thing. And, you know, everybody just plays fantasy different. Um, and it was hilarious to be called an idiot on live TV. So that was awesome. <laughs> you, I actually did put that video on my on my writer Facebook page. So if you want to watch me being called an idiot, check it out. Going to it right now. <laughs> it'll, it'll have like over a million views. Everyone wants to see it. Oh, it's 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 also a it's also a, like now a regular drop on our pod too. Just Matt Harmon, who's an idiot. <laughs> that, that is amazing. That is awesome. That is definitely awesome. And Matt Harmon is being thrown out of the Clock Dodgers fantasy trade blackjack room for beating the system here MIT style. <laughs> so he is no longer allowed. And now we're probably gonna have people do the same thing every week. Thanks to Matt. But that's okay. That's okay. It's all right. It's all right. We're going to jump over to um, foul or no foul. Now, of course, you both are familiar with this game as far as the rules and everything. But um, for those who may not know yet, um, basically, I'm going to throw statements at you guys, um, mostly submitted by, by listeners here. And then if you you know disagree with the statement, it's a foul. And if you agree with it, it's a no foul. All right. Um, and we'll just kind of switch back and forth. Who wants to go first or however you guys want to do it? It's that time again. <laughs> Let's play another round of foul or no foul. So uh, we'll start with, let's start with Mike. Um, the, the, okay. uh, and then Matt, I want you to answer this one, these ones too. Um, uh, this one was sent in by at Steph. Um, she says, winning a fantasy football championship is at minimum 50% luck. Foul or no foul? Uh, 50%, I'd call that foul. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with fifty percent. Look, there's there's definitely a factor of luck built into it, but the like uh, to just just to make the playoffs. I mean, you're. I don't think you can luck into that. What? I guess I'll take that away because some auto draft teams have made it to playoffs before. But I would say there is a over the course of the regular season, there is a huge amount of skill that goes into just getting in that position. Once you get into the playoffs, though, I would say that that the the weight between skill and luck can it, it skews start skewing a little heavier into luck when you just have these one offs, you know, one one bad week and you're done. But so I would say overall, but overall though, for a championship, it's definitely it's the luck is less than 50%. Gotcha. Matt, you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's what Mike said is true. I would, so I would say it's foul that it's 50%, but it, there, there is luck involved a lot of, a lot of it. I don't know if it's 50%. Like you do have to have a, a very good amount of skill and understanding of what you're doing to win a championship. But luck is, is always a factor, you know, just, uh, the G word, uh, which I'm not allowed to say, or, you know, it's everything, everything is, is a little bit of a, you know, a, a proposition of chance and, and whether that hits or not. So there's certainly a lot of luck involved in fantasy. Gotcha. There's no, there, it will never uh, not be. Absolutely. And what's, what's funny to me is, uh, you know, you, you talk about the luck of the, the fantasy game and, and the G word that Matt's talking about. But like he said, there's luck factored into every single aspect of your life. Just in the yes. in the sporting event of football, we like football because you know, when there's a fumble, you say, "Oh, well, that's just the way the ball bounced." You're like, "Yeah, they're ad they're <laughs> admitting right there that yeah. that was not a skillful play because the ball just happened to bounce right into my hands." So, to I, I think the overreaction to luck of is, I think that's a ridiculous argument to to, to take. Well, well and hey, also, like, just from the week-to-week -week perspective of fantasy, one of the most annoying things about playing fantasy football from, like, a head-to-head -head perspective is you can have a dominant team 
and just run into every other player in your league's best week and yeah. be, like not have a record that is indicative of like you can there have been plenty of times uh that people have led the league in total points scored on their among their fantasy team but not been a good team with a good record or missed the playoffs entirely because of you know the the luck factor in head-to-head matchups um i'm actually in a draft right now called the apex uh experts league which experts a stupid word and i'd rather not be called one uh, (laughs) but uh because i don't i don't know where not when i did not apply to a fantasy expert job and i didn't i never submitted an application so i it's not i didn't get an invite so (laughs) no i didn't get an invite or anything and i don't get better sure sure as hell don't benefit from the title but i I think that but anyway so the point is like the, the apex format actually mixes uh, head-to-head matchups and total point scoring to get the most like most skillful related things out there. But just the fact that that needs to happen shows you there's luck involved. Absolutely, and and the luck that you do want a lot of as well this year in fantasy football is Andrew Luck. Hopefully, we get more than fifty percent of him this year. Um, <laughs> so well the, done. <laughs> that was off the top, man. What you think? Um, <laughs> <wish>. <laughs> the next one is from at ad eighty seven, um, and he let's start with Matt this time. Um, fantasy football is responsible for the majority of the growth of the NFL over the past 10 years, foul or no foul. That is no foul. Uh, and I'm not saying that just because I, we're constantly reminding uh, our corporate uh, leaders there at the NFL that this is a true thing. And, hey, we're important, too. Don't forget about us uh, because th- we're, we're bringing you a lot of money in there. Um, it is a huge, huge, huge uh, part of why the game has grown. Um, and I know that there's definitely some people out there that are, you know, curmudgeonly about that. And that's fine. And I get it. It is like, I certainly struggle with the way fantasy makes me feel stupid things about the game. I don't like, I don't like watching games and being like, can they just throw more passes to this guy? Can they just throw more <laughs> passes to this guy? Cause you know, they should be doing what it takes to win games. And even like players that I've talked to, some of them have just like, yeah, like there are some things about fantasy that are, that are dumb. Like, you know, perfect example is the Tyler Lockett thing. Like, if he goes out and is less than, you know, a stud wide receiver fantasy, people are going to be annoyed with me. But he could have, like, just a 1,000 yards this year, and I'd consider that a successful prediction from a real football perspective, but it's different with fantasy. So there are parts about fantasy that are that are annoying and, and you know, maybe don't maybe aren't great for uh, the way we think about the game if we, if we don't educate ourselves and challenge ourselves mentally. But is absolutely huge and people have an investment in things like an investment in every single game. Now they have reasons to watch more games. They have reasons to be more, more plugged into the news. Um, Like there's a huge reason like news sites are so popular because they want it. People want to know about a larger majority of the teams than just their own and more players. And, you know, you get more invested in play. Like I'm highly invested in a ton of players because of the way I think about them. And if from a fantasy perspective, that happens as well too. So yeah, I think it's, it's been huge for that. Absolutely. And, and Mike, um, it, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, I think we're all going to agree on this as far, obviously as um, we're all huge fancy football fans, but it's also cool that fancy football has not only made the NFL more popular, but it's kind of brought a whole bunch of people together, you know, that may not have crossed paths ever. I mean, even you're even seeing women, tons of women playing fantasy football now that you, you never would even watch football before. Um, you know, like people in offices that all tend to bond now or, you know, have more to talk about with each other because they're playing in a fantasy football league at the office. I mean, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty special, right, Mike? I mean, it's hard to discount that, right? Yeah, I mean, and we love talking about that on our show is 
uh, making sure that you, you understand the fun of the game. And, I mean, like there's these guys in my league, the my main league of record. I talk to these guys you know, more than most of like the guys I consider to be my best friends. Uh, it keeps me just I'm engaged with them all the time, and so that and it's this weird like psychotic uh, you know relationship that I have with these these other guys. But it's it's just it keeps me connected with people in a way that that it just it simply wouldn't happen uh, in the real world with the way things are so busy. So I wouldn't talk to these other guys. Um, And Matt's point about investing in the other players, I think that's where that's huge. Uh, I was I've always been a diehard Arizona Cardinals fan. But if you would have talked to Mike back in the early 90s and you would have asked me about these. Well, who's the wide receiver to for the St. Louis Rams? I'm like, I I have no idea. I just know who the Cardinals are, and right. I know who they're playing the, the upcoming week. Fast forward to now, I mean, I have uh, I have a, a signed AJ Green jersey on my wall because I like him so much. And the same thing with Evans. I got him on my wall. Like these are guys. They're not on my team. They have nothing to do with my real life rooting interests. But I I enjoy the game so much more. I know. Uh, just my knowledge about the game has grown by hundreds of percentage uh, and knowing who these players are and caring about them and, and caring about their careers. Like the NFL network there, it's nonstop training camp coverage. People wouldn't care about training camp if they, if they weren't looking forward to, to their fantasy teams of knowing, okay, who who got hurt? Who's coming back from an injury? How do they look? This stuff simply wouldn't happen. And to pretend that it would have evolved to this to this point without fantasy football, I think, is a is a silly thing to to propose. So I I completely agree that fantasy football is the predominant reason why the NFL is uh, as large as as it is right now. Perfect. Fantasy football is good for your health, guys. Get out there, yeah. man. It's good for your health. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> except I when I lose. That. Yeah, I don't know if that part's true. Yeah, stress <laughs> levels may be a little high. <laughs> fantasy football. Fantasy football keeps me sitting in one place too long. Uh, keeps me drinking too much Damn. when I lose. Ah, that's probably going to. This, this, this is this anyway. is true. Okay, fantasy football you get the is bad going, for your health. You just do no. Yeah. You just do push-ups and sit-ups while you're watching the game. Yeah, and you vomit so much from when things are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, Mike, I got to work during those games, pal. So I'm uh, I'm busy. What do you do during the games? Besides I watch games. <laughs> yeah, I watch games. I watch games and that's somehow considered working because I'm the luckiest <laughs> idiot in the whole world. Uh, yeah. No, well, I do have to write. Uh, like I do have to write and react and, and everything like that and and tweet. That's my job. No, I'm crazy. It's crazy. What <laughs> a world. The best, the best part about the podcast is I don't have to write. Like <laughs> I just we we have to prepare for the show, but I get to flip the microphones on and and basically verbally dictate my thoughts i don't have to go hours and hours on an article so i don't envy that part of your job man oh well see that's the the, like and that's the difference like i you love love it i mean if i wasn't writing about football i'd be writing about something else uh in fact i'd like to be writing about other things sometimes and i do in, in my spare time which is pretty sick like oh i write all day and i come home and write something else but uh yeah so it's it's i love to write so it's it's just a difference in in approach Matt, Matt, saying that you love to write, would it be like a sin to you to have one of those things where you just talk into it and it types it out for you? Oh, that's gross. That's <laughs> awful. And, you know, not to mention, like, I say like too many times. I, you know, would say like 
I just did it again. Oh man. Uh, so, you know, it would come off terribly diction wise and there's just, I don't know, there's just a beauty in expressing things through word, but that is, uh, that is a, you know, not everybody is wired that way. And I was not always wired that way or maybe didn't realize I was wired that way when I was younger, but yeah, I love to write and uh, yeah, I will always be writing. Carmen get... writes everything on his antique typewriter as well. <laughs> if I could, if I could, I would, uh, if I could write like, <laughs> I think it would be incredible to write something with like a uh, like a quill if we were still doing that. <laughs> but I have I have her I have horrendous handwriting. So that is another thing that's like that is definitely evolved. You know, I, I think I would lose my patience if I had to like write articles by hand and send them in somewhere. Uh, typing is definitely much easier. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know. I, like writing is, you know, and you could tell because I write so damn much in my articles and I can't. You know, everything is like too. Oh, what's the word count going to be on this one? Oh, it's too long. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, I, yeah, I love to write. Well, that that that's for anyone buying Matt Harmon Christmas gifts. Get the word to you know word to write off the list, guys. It's it's yeah. an insult and to the Matt. Quill, the quill. Get the on quill the on the list. <laughs> oh man. All right, uh, Mike. This is an. This I'm going to let you start this one. Um, the statement is: If either Jeremy Hill or Gio Bernard were alone in the backfield, I guess Todd Gurley style or something, would they the, the the statement is they would be a top ten running back. Either or them, foul or no foul. Oh man. I I, I would call that a no foul and I will I will remain on my throne of loving Jeremy Hill. I know last uh, last year was just awful and it was really painful to watch him. He did not look at all like the running back that I fell in love with of of his uh rookie season but he's one of those guys where uh you, you know when you go like all in when you go all in on a guy especially a rookie and then they hit huge that's who Jeremy Hill was for me uh so i have this deep emotional connection to him and just wanting him to succeed so the the Gio Bernard extension was was painful to my being Knowing that he would be there and Jeremy Hill had to finish out his his contract with Gio Bernard there, but so I think that and Gio by himself could maybe be a top ten guy. Maybe uh, I just I have that I, I have love and belief in Jeremy Hill as a as a player. So I would call that uh, the no foul, no foul, no foul. Matt, are, are you a Hill guy or or a Bernard guy? I'm a Bernard guy, uh, so we do disagree. Oh, yes, I thought, we got to I a thought, point. Yeah, finally, we we disagree on something. <laughs> I thought Hill was a was a really bad running back prospect coming out of the draft, and then I looked like an idiot after the rookie year. You're darn right, least, dude. Yeah, but then this year I looked pretty good, didn't I, Mike? I, oh, like, he was, yeah, you did. He was oh. legit. He was, he was legit. Terrible. Yeah, right. He was legit bad this this past year. Uh there was really no, there's really no dancing around that, um, other than the dance and he was doing behind the line of scrimmage, nailed it. Uh, oh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think that he's, he's a guy that could certainly bounce back though. Um, it, it, and if he was, I, I think he's very, he's very game, he's more game script dependent, I think, than people wanted to assume coming into last year. You know, he's much more of just a, you know, a two down banger sort of player than anything else, even though. You know, he's got a little bit of chops in the passing game, but I think where he makes his money is, you know, being that grinded out guy to to close games and, you know, really big red zone player. So, I mean, he has that season in his range of outcomes if the team is on 
is on schedule, which I'm not sure that they will be as much this year as they were in the previous two years. But Bernard's an interesting guy uh, because I think that I'm, I'm really obsessed with these kind of backs that they're primarily really good receivers. But if something happens to the other guys in the backfield, they could assume workhorse level rushing, rushing game, a rushing count. And I love those guys because they can turn into RB ones pretty quickly, even if they're not great running backs, just because of the volume and guys like Gio Bernard, I think fits that, that example perfectly. Charles Sims, Bilal Powell are other ones later in the later in drafts that I think you should target if you're going wide receiver heavy. Uh, so but I, I like, yeah, the, well, theoretically, I think we kind of know like he actually just can't run the ball. Oh, come really. on. He's just, I, I still have hope for him. I still hold it no. out. Nope. Yeah, I, I think that one. I think that one. The book is kind of out on uh, Riddick, whereas other, you know, those other guys can be competent at least as runners, and I think that's really all you need if they're great pass catchers as well. But yes, yeah, so I've always been a, a Bernard guy. I think he's just a play. I think he's a playmaker too, and you know maybe he's not built to handle that that workload, but I think if he got it, he would he would produce numbers. So Harmon, I'm jumping in here. Uh, how do you feel like the running back situation in Cincinnati is going to shake out? Because you have. Uh, Jackson's gone and Jackson seemed to be a very role defining running back. Mm-hmm. Even the, the, even Gio's rookie year. I mean, you had the law firm who was just, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was about as bad as Jeremy Hill was last season, mm-hmm. but they still gave Ben Jarvis the ball and they would only let Gio be uh, that, you know, the, the passing guy, give him a couple carries here and there. Will, do you feel like that can switch now with, with a new offensive play calling uh, play callers coming in and say hey maybe Gio's just overall the better running back so we're going to give him uh we're going to give him the the majority of the snaps and not just split it oh, well I think it will still be a split because I think what made Cincinnati such a unique offense and I don't think they can pull that off this year because of some of the players that they've lost uh and Eifert's not uh, might not be healthy was that they could just they could t- they had so many options to take you down last year you know they had a stud number one receiver they had a really good dominant physical tight end they had a really solid number two in marvin jones and a, a kind of a jack of all trades guy muhammad sanu and then you look in the backfield they had a power running game that they wanted to establish but also this really good playmaking back out in space so it's hard to say are they going to be able to do that this year i don't know but they they will certainly i think keep those guys in pretty defined roles uh and that's why i i'm not really in on Hill from a regular redraft perspective, he's a fine best ball pick because he probably will have big touchdown weeks. Uh, But at his, at his current cost, I never really end up taking him in in a roster management league, but I'm still in on Bernard, especially in PPR leagues because he does have the pass catching ability. And like I said, if something were to happen to Hill, he underperforms again and needs to get yanked or he gets hurt. Then, then, then you're looking at a situation where I think Bernard could be a low end volume inflated RB one. Man, I'm still just as confused on both of them as I was before I asked the question. <laughs> yeah, not very helpful. It's a tough situation. It's a tough situation all around. I mean, you just got to gamble on, on one or the other, you know? I mean, I don't know if you draft both, if you try, but you def- definitely just take one or the other, whatever you feel your gut, you know, is, is going with it and just hope that it plays out for you. You know what I mean? It's definitely a tough one. Um, the next the next question we have here is from S. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to mess this name up here, but S. Revit 94 um, and he's, we, we talked about this guy earlier. So, uh, Mike, um, Todd Gurley will finish outside the top eight at running back due to the terrible offense and defenses will stack the box. Foul or no foul? Ooh, top eight might be pushing it. Um, 
do you have a is there a hedge is there a hedge <laughs> option in this in this game no hedging no more beating the system um, guys okay so i'll i'll say he i'll say he finishes in the top 8 so that'd be that's a foul uh but i'm but i'm going to throw out the hedging disclaimer that okay. it wouldn't shock me it will not surprise me uh cuz like <laughs> i've i've gone through we've talked about the numbers so much on our show of of just how historically bad uh, well, I guess you can't really call them bad, but you can call them sub-mediocre. Jeff Fisher has been. I hope you guys are all gearing up for Monday, uh, August 8th. I'm making that the National Jeff Fisher Day <laughs> because it's 8-8. I'm geared I up. You're, I hope you're along with me on this this joke. Nice. Matt, Har- Matt Harmon is not tracking me. <laughs> I like that. He's <laughs> fallen into radio silence, <laughs> leaving me alone. No, I like, I like that name. That is, that's good. All right, good. There we go. But so it's, I mean, they're just they're going to be you know right around the mid twenties as far as an as far as an offense. So if if Gurley can get it done this year, though, then I will, uh, I'll be all in on on the the greatness of Todd Gurley. All right, you'll you'll put him in Adrian Peterson territory. If he can succeed this year, probably because if you can succeed in that offense with a rookie quarterback who. I'm not sure if he's any good with no, uh, at least no known offensive skill, like dominant skill players at wide receiver, then you're a, you're a beast for sure. Absolutely. Matt, you feel the same? Any, any way he gets outside that top eight? Oh yeah. I can absolutely tell myself a story of how he ends up scoring outside <laughs> the top eight. Um, I still think he will finish there, but I am very much open to that. I'm with Mike completely on this, on this Todd Gurley thing. This quote comes from Bucky Brooks, who is at uh, Rams camp. He's been doing a really great series for our website, uh, uh, NFL.com. And if you've ever heard of that niche uh, website, um, he, he's been trying to do a really good uh, scouting notebook series there, like going to the camps and looking at things. Uh, he said, to my surprise, Goff isn't anywhere close to being ready to play as a starting quarterback at this stage. And that's big because, like Mike said, this offense could just be so bad that Gurley doesn't get the touchdown opportunities that you really want out of a, out of an RB one that you have to take in the, in the top five in most drafts. I, 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 I can't touch Gurley at that price uh, because of the risk, even though I think he's a great player. Uh, I think he is an Adrian Peterson level talent, but at the same time, you've got to, you've got to take, well, maybe not an Adrian Peterson level talent, but as close as we've got right now. But right. And I, so I just don't know if he can put all that on his shoulders. Um, you know, there were games last year where Gurley was un, unstartable. Uh, two specifically in a row where he was yes. just abysmal and he only cracked a hundred yards once down the stretch. So, you know, if he's not scoring the touchdowns, it could be, I think he has a scary floor week to week and that's tough to invest in, in the running back position. That's already inherently very fragile to, to jump into bed with anyways. If you're getting a guy that doesn't have that week to week floor, it's it's frightening. Uh, and, and this offense, like I said, it could be starting Case Keenum again. I'm a longtime fan of Case Keenum as a, you know, a, a backup quarterback stretcher guy, guy you can put in for a stretch for a few games. But if he has good players around him, he certainly does not have that in the L.A. passing game right now. So this offense could be legitimately a train wreck. And I think people were like, oh, yeah, Jared Goff is there. He'll 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 make it better. But I don't think that, that that's clearly not going to happen right now. And then if they are starting Jared Goff and he's not ready that could be even worse than having Case Keenum behind center. Man, not looking good in Los Angeles these days. 
Not looking good. Well, oh, except, it does except look, for you. It does except... look good here. It does look good here. Though. Not for the Rams. Not for the Rams, Matt. Not for the Rams. Jeez, man. Oh, you and Marcus, LA boys, man. All right. The last one I'm going to throw at us today is a guy who we, we also kind of talked about a little bit earlier. He's got a ton of hype behind him. And so obviously that's why this question was sent to me. Uh, it was sent by at JJK. And he says, Sammy Coates will have more fantasy points than Josh Gordon this season. Foul or no foul. Matt, you want to start? Oof. Um, this is tough. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say this is real. This make me think. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no. No, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Great stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna say foul. I'm gonna I'm gonna end on saying foul. But it, I guess because Josh Gordon's range of outcomes are so insanely uh, hard to pin down. Uh, but if he's if he's if he's hitting his 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 peak or even not or even several rungs down from his peak, I think he'll outscore a guy like Coates. But like I said, I think Coates is going to be a fine uh, fantasy player. Ha- probably have a lot of weak weak volatility in his scoring. But from a season long perspective, if if Gordon doesn't uh, if Gordon doesn't perform after he gets back from his four game suspension, Coates could certainly outscore him. But I'm gonna say foul on that one. Mike. Yeah, I would I would say. It's foul. I'll, I'll take the Josh Gordon side of it. The I feel like the uh, the, the ceiling uh, for for Coates is well, maybe not maybe not the ceiling. Uh, I guess the the ceiling for him is kind of the Martavis line from 2015, and Martavis didn't even play all the <laughs> games. I mean, you're so, so we got 50 receptions, 765 yards, and the six touchdowns. The touchdowns is where it's it's big. Uh, and Coates could could come in. I know we we kind of touched on Coates, but uh, I, I just another thing that makes me like him because people look back and you're like of his his rookie season, Coates basically did nothing. I think he had one catch in the regular season, and we just go there's a go back and look at the way the Steelers have used their rookie wide receivers. They just they they don't really use them, and especially for Coates, there wasn't even a need for him. I think of all the kind of their predominant Steeler wide receivers in the past uh, a decade or so, Mike Wallace is only the only guy who really had a, a season of notes. Uh, so it, just because he was not used last year doesn't scare me off of of Coates at all. Right. Where where some that's what kind of the the uh, the, the the backing that that people are using the the case against Sammy Coates. Well, he didn't do anything last year. Right. Like, well, that's uh, that's. That's not necessarily the the best argument to go to for me. So, uh, but you know, when it comes down to it, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Josh Josh Gordon. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Gordon too. I think just because of the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's way higher. You know, I, I guess I still have to be convinced about codes. I don't know. I mean, I, I see it, but for a guy like, like Gordon, I just feel like turning it around this quickly isn't a, isn't crazy. It's not a crazy idea, you know? Just, I feel like Sammy Coates, you know, outscoring Gordon is just as crazy as Gordon coming back to, you know, the Gordon of old before he left, you know? Right. So I, I, I'm going to – I would go with Gordon too. Well, I – you know, that, that's it for the questions today. That's it for the games. Um, I, I really appreciate, you know, a, as always, you guys coming on. Um, it, it, you know, it means a lot to me that you guys take your time out of your day to do this. So, so thank you to both of you, Matt and Mike. Um, but I can't close out I, I, every episode. I like to, you know, let the guest, you know, just leave our listeners with kind of a gem 
uh, whether it's a, a fantasy tip, whether it's a, you know, just a life tip, it doesn't matter what it is and, and anything that you want to say, um, you know, the, the, if, if they were going to delete this episode, as soon as they finish, the one thing that they'll remember is something that you guys are saying here. So if you both can uh, just give them, give them anything, um, Matt, you can go ahead and start. Yeah, I think the the one thing that I would say, and it's, this goes, I'll, I'm going to talk not fantasy for a second. Just That's uh, totally fine. Yeah, since you gave me that option, uh, <laughs> since I talk about fantasy enough uh, for for a lifetime already, uh, and very lucky to do so, by the way. Uh, be, you know, treat yourself to things sometimes. You know, treat yourself as treat uh, yourself. As, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's you know, I like I said, I was out buying buying some new clothes before uh, before before coming on the pod, and uh, you know, if you've got the if you got the means to do it, you know, be good to yourself sometimes. It it, it feels nice. It makes you feel. Better about your your life and more inspired. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But yeah, it's a it's a good thing to spoil you spoil yourself every now and again. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that, and um, I, I I couldn't agree more. Mike, you got uh you got what do you got? You got fantasy advice or life advice for us here? I got. For some reason, this is the first thing that popped into my head when you said a piece of life advice. So you may have heard this before, uh, you may have not. But I'll 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 go with this one. It is only when a mosquito lands on your testicles that you realize there is always a way to solve problems without using violence. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I've actually never heard that before. I've never oh, you heard haven't? that. I've no, never me, heard me that. Either. Wow. <laughs> well, there you that's go. A, that's inspiring. That is a gem. That's a gem <laughs> of all gems right there. That wow. That's that's got that's interesting. That is very true as well. Oh man, you guys are awesome. Um uh, man, I, I seriously, I can't appreciate you guys enough for coming on. It, like, I got this conversation is awesome. Every time I talk to you guys, it's you know, it's fun, it's entertaining, it's knowledge filled. So, so thank you both. Can you both kind of plug though, you know, uh, where you guys are at, you know, uh, how people can support you guys, what to look for. Uh, Matt, you want to let them know where to go first? Yeah, so I'm at that little rinkadink website, uh, NFL.com, <laughs> that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you could check, you could check that out. Um, you could find all my columns now at NFL.com/slash/Harmon. Uh, so if anything I'm writing, you can find that there. Uh, we're doing the Fantasy Live podcast. Uh, we'll be three times a week here t- here soon. We're two times a week right now. Uh, so definitely subscribe to that. If you leave a review right now, you could potentially be entered to win a spot in one in one of our three fan leagues. So uh, you know definitely check that out. The Beard League with Matt Franciscovich and I. That's the one you want to get into. Uh, so there, so you can do that. And uh, you can also the the final episode of the Backyard Banter podcast will be out next week. You know, find reception perception using hashtag reception perception. And yeah, also a busy times, fellas, busy times. But uh, thank you so much for having me on today. And uh, and anyone that listens and follows me there, appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Mike? Sure, you can check uh, check all my work out at thefantasyfootballers.com or wherever podcasts are available. Uh, we We are doing real work. We're actually five times a week. Unlike oh, cool. my colleague here, who is with the two a week. I mean, I don't know what uh, that's about. One, can I can I speak to that, please? Uh, since I'm slandered once and again. Interject, uh, man. Did, interject. You have that right. I thought this was my plug. Weren't we just talking about how I also have to be doing a ton of writing, and you're just sitting around talking? So oh. I mean, you know, again, just saying. I'm giving the people what they want, Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right about that. So yeah, we're we're five times a week. So uh, like I said, the sites. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the FF Ballers, and I am at FF Hitman. Although you you cannot be sure that it's my account, unlike my colleague here, who we know that it's Matt Harmon's account, 
because Twitter has denied me verification. Wow. And I will put them I put them on blast on this podcast that uh I need to I need blue. I need I need that in my life, Twitter. Yeah, I need it's it in my life. It feels so, good, let me tell you that. Hey, <laughs> side, no, note, I hate you. side note on the veri- so on the verified thing, side note, like if you have an iPhone, right, Mike, if I remember correctly when I met you, yes. Twitter does this thing like after you get it, your whole Twitter app changes, uh, and then your your notifications become all mentions, and then like an all column, a mentions column, and then a verified column. So only you and the other verified accounts can tweet oh. back and forth to each other. Eat my butt, Harmon. Wow, it, it is it is the most like well, I know when I saw it, I was actually kind of like put off. I was like, wow, that's like super uh, like that, that's kind of exclusive. I don't like it. It makes me feel weird. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll stay in the mansions with all of the people, all of my people, not just, not just up and, you know, not just up uh, those of us in the blue check clouds. Who knew there was a secret, a secret Twitter society. I didn't know that existed. It's weird. I can't wait to live my life only in the blue check. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, if it makes you feel any better, man, they will not give a blue check check mark to stainless steel Neil over here either. So, oh. That's, yeah. And that's a shame as well. Yeah, I mean, just it's just it's craziness, man. Stainless steel Neil can't get a check mark, but that's okay, guys. <laughs> that is okay. I'm, yeah. I'm all right with that. Yep. So, but yeah, man, I, I appreciate you bringing me on. It's always it's always fun to to, uh, to jump on and talk. And so it, it was a interesting dynamic with Harmon here. Yeah, it was special, man. I I tried to put this together. And I was I was you know so glad that you guys both were able to do this and willing to do this and and let me add though you guys said you know you do five episodes you know five days a week Mike, Mike, matt does all this stuff don't forget you guys come on podcasts like this too all the time and do a little extra everywhere so you guys are hard workers sure. and uh you know i really appreciate that as a, as a fan as a listener as a watcher of you guys and obviously as a fellow podcaster so um i really really appreciate you guys doing this and uh that's pretty much it man absolutely you guys have a good right. fun, stu- fun stuff you. absolutely Thank you again to Matt Harmon. Thank you again to Mike the Hitman Wright. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Guys, do whatever you can to support these guys. Follow them on all the social media aspects. You know, uh, subscribe to their podcast, download them, review them. Um, send that, send those guys nothing but love. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find two guys um, as, as nice and uh, you know as uh, knowledgeable and, and funny as hell as those two guys so um again big shout out to those guys that's their second time on the show man they're these guys are awesome man there's there's just no question in it and that's why you go far in this world when you're you know when you're a good dude like that and you bust your ass like they do in this business so um again big shout out to matt big shout out to mike thank you again very very humble that you guys came on again i appreciate it um i was gonna go into uh, a dynasty draft and stuff that we just recently did um but i'm gonna hold off on it because i feel like it deserves a little more attention than just the outro of this show um and i don't want to take away either from this awesome conversation that we just had so um i'm gonna let you guys soak in everything uh from this from this episode um and and just you know get ready for the next episode because it's gonna i have a lot of stuff coming up i have um a guest that's gonna talk about baseball we have a guest coming on that's going to talk about baseball. We have guests um, from all different walks of life as far as entertainment uh, coming up. We have, of course, I'm going to go over some more fantasy football stuff. Um, like I said, some dynasty drafts and things that we, we I, I have just taken part in very recently. Um, I want to kind of go into that because we haven't done a lot of dynasty talk on the show. Um, so I'm going to get into that stuff soon on some more future episodes. 
a ton, a ton of stuff coming on the pipeline, basically. Um, look cloudodgers.com for, for updated rankings. That should be coming very soon. Um, some more, some more. obviously the fantasy football stuff's going to ramp up because we're getting close to that, but tons of other content on there. Sports, entertainment, culture, politics, music. It doesn't matter what it is. We, we're going to touch on it one way or the other. Um, it, uh, again, as always, thank you to the sponsor, No Halftime. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with me, you know where to do it. If you don't know where to do it, uh, at Clock Dodgers on Twitter and Instagram, clockdodgers at gmail.com for any kind of inquiries or if you just want to hit me up and say hi, that's good too. Um, if you guys want to send any foul or no fouls, questions, uh, fantasy trade blackjack suggestions, any anything at all, um, hit me up in any of those places and and I'm there. That's where I'm at. That's where you, that's where you reach me at. Um, and I will see you guys next week. Let's go ahead and get straight into the, the classic jam that's on every single podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. Liquid Spiral. Let's go. As always, guys, be kind, be great, keep dodging. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.